I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this retreat here at Gaia House on a rather wild and stormy evening. I'm glad you've all arrived and hopefully safely. My name is Yanai and I'm very happy to be here to uh, spend this weekend retreat with you and uh, very happy that you've made it here too. There's two or three who are still, we understand, en route and will hopefully turn off uh, not too late this evening. But just for now, I'd like to take some time to talk about the uh, retreat that we'll be engaging in and uh, what it means, what it could mean to be on retreat and what we'll be exploring in terms of meditative practice and process. Just before I begin or go further with that, just want to check that you can hear me all right at the back. Is it coming through pretty clear? Also to let you know, um, a bit more volume, one or two would like. Um, let's just try a little bit more. How's that? Is that better? There's also a few spaces up the front and uh, you're very welcome and possibly even encouraged uh, to come forward as sometimes sort of looking way down the back, I'm not quite sure if I can see everybody and uh, some uh, spaces up here. If at the end of this uh, session you'd like to move forward, uh, you're very, or even at this point in the session, you're very welcome to move forward. And uh, it's, uh, sometimes when I get the feeling that sort of people are sort of, sort of hanging out down the back in case they want to slip out the door, and uh, <laughs> well, that might be understandable on occasion. Uh, it's not necessarily encouraged. And so, anyway, I'll speak more to that. But uh, so that's. Uh, and if any of you, as I said, uh, wish to move, there are still spaces um, for later. But for now, we are here at Gaia House and for this retreat this weekend uh, entitled The Path of Peace and Happiness. And I think it's a, a topic or a theme that is probably of interest to, to most of us to uh, to understand, to know what it is to find peace, to find happiness in this world is a, a topic of interest that has uh, been explored by people such as ourselves throughout the ages and in all parts of the globe. There's, a, I think, a natural and a quite understandable urge within us, within us as human beings to to look more deeply into our life and to understand perhaps more clearly what is really true and what is really beneficial, what serves the process and the experience of being alive, which at times can be rather challenging and at times rather confusing and at times, of course, also delightful and enjoyable. But uh, it's probably the case that we also come to acknowledge after a few decades or maybe it takes quite a few decades start to see that maybe life has a greater potential to it than we have already realised or discovered not to say that we necessarily think there's a problem with it the way it is but sometimes there can be a sense of there's something possible maybe more than what I've so far explored and that sense of interest in in happiness and peace and discovering what is possible for a human being. This, I think, is, is quite natural and really um, wholesome and uh, wonderful, in fact, delightful, that uh, 
we have this in us because also we can at times be quite reactive and confused and the amount of conflict and the amount of fear and the amount of pain and suffering in the world if one just looks at a newspaper or probably for all of us if we look at our own lives we see that this experience of difficulty of challenge is part of what we encounter and the question arises well how do I engage with that what, what makes sense here and so really what we'll be doing over these days, and some of you know all too well, having been here many times before, and for many of you also, this is the first time you're coming here and perhaps the first time you're doing anything remotely like this. Um, so wonderful for those of you who are coming back. I'm very happy to see you back. And likewise, those of you here the first time, uh, an extra warm welcome, because it can be sometimes a little daunting to walk into this big old grey building and you know it's sort of like it's not quite a thunderstorm but you know pouring rain and sort of you just imagine the building silhouetted in the moonlight and a long drive up the country road and you come in what what am I going to discover here they said we're not going to be talking to each other you know what's that going to be like it might be a bit sort of weird and uh there may be elements about what it's like here for you, at least initially, that feel a little strange. And that's okay, that's totally normal. What I would like to say, and I'll, I'll speak more about the particulars of all this, is that what we're doing, and we'll be doing here together, is something really very normal, and actually remarkably sane, I would suggest. And from my own personal perspective, what we sometimes find ourselves doing out in the world is not necessarily always that. Not to say that it's always bad or wrong, but um, there's a way in which the momentum of life seems to grab hold of one's heart or one's head or one's body or something and just drag us along or push us or pull us. And often we, sometimes we don't really know, how is it that that happens to me? How is it that I end up in a condition which I don't seek for or in a circumstance which which I didn't choose. What's going on? So a meditation retreat is an opportunity to begin to explore that question, begin to discover for ourselves and in our own experience some of the answers to those questions, some of the perspectives that will enable us, that will enable you and enable me to, to be able to live our life in a way that's more fulfilling, that's more in harmony with the life around us. And this is essentially what the spiritual journey and what we could say spiritual practice is concerned with. It's not about establishing some philosophical or metaphysical system of ideas and viewpoints and beliefs or disbeliefs. All of those may or may not be of value or use to you, but more fundamentally from where I'm sitting and where the... Uh, the kind of practice we'll be engaging in, where that comes from, is to do with something much more experiential and direct and immediate. It's not really about theory, although a certain amount of sort of understanding, and we could say theory, can be useful. Essentially what this weekend will be about is your experience. What's true for you? And for each of you, there may be some very particular things that it, how it is for you that may be quite different to how it is for me or how it is for your neighbour or someone else but there will also be and I'm quite confident of this having been uh, involved in this practice for many years and teaching retreats such as this for, 
for about, I think, 15 years now. Um, and speaking with many people such as yourselves about it, you will also discover there are many common features of your experience, many shared elements to our lives. That although they might look different in some ways, they also have some profound and significant similarities, consistencies and parallels. And a lot of the, the significance of that, that those parallels, similarities, there's many significance, in fact, or significances. But one key one is that it's not necessarily because of who we are or how we are that we have certain experiences. It's something to do with the way life is, the way human beings are. It's something more universal. And understood that way can be addressed I think often more usefully, more skillfully. And so this sense of a spiritual journey or a spiritual engagement that isn't about escaping from or rejecting the world anyway. When we come on a retreat, it's not like we're going to somehow leave the world behind. You, you may have come here hoping that you will. It's like, you know, let me out of that crazy place, you know, um, whatever it is, or that confusing or difficult place that sometimes our life can be. We think, oh, I'm going on a retreat. I'm going to have a completely different experience. And it may be completely different here. But it's going to be the same mind, same body, same heart that you experience in your life. So we can't escape from our life. But coming on a retreat, what we can do is start to look at it, start to see it more clearly, and to learn to, to meet it. And we could say, hold it in the sense of a certain sort of tender and caring connection with our experience. We can learn to hold our life more fully, more sensitively and more consciously. So rather than getting away from life, retreat is more an opportunity to put down some of the things that maybe some forms of activity and ways of engaging that aren't so wholesome that undermine us or that although maybe they're not unwholesome in themselves and don't it's not that they're sort of harmful but they may simply tend to fill up all the time and space in our day leaving no time for the possibility of connecting with the deeper dimension the deeper vibrational resonance of our life and the lack of connection with that that sense of depth of authenticity that is something deeply unsatisfactory, deeply painful, actually, I would say. Though we may not even be aware that that is an aspect of our own experience. And it may be that it isn't. So I'm not sitting here trying to tell you what your experience is. At least I hope it doesn't sound that way. But I would certainly hope that what I can invite you and encourage you to do is to look and see for yourself what is true. And this is really the heart of the, uh, the teachings of the Buddha, which these practices and this kind of form that we'll be engaging in of insight meditation is drawn from. And the Buddha was a human being, like yourselves, like myself, who was equally puzzled and at times confused and at times struggled with how life is and how to live and devoted and committed his life to exploring and discovering what is wise? What is compassionate? What works? 
and through his own commitment and his journey and dedication coming to some remarkable and profound understanding that he shared with others who were equally interested, likewise interested, and who, through a process of being shared from one person to another through two and a half thousand years of likewise interested people, we are fortunate to have the benefit of. But it's very much about human experience. Rather than, like, I've got an itchy nose. You may have noticed, it keeps itching, and I keep itching it. And that's human experience, isn't it? So what is there to be learned from an itchy nose? You might think, well, it's just one of those irritating things you have to deal with. Maybe. It might be one of those things you should learn not to itch it. Well, maybe. We'll see what comes. You might have the opportunity to learn from something like it, or maybe not. But one thing the Buddha recognized was that everything can teach us something. We can learn something from every moment and every experience if we give it the care and attention that it, I would say, deserves and that enables it to speak to us. So in order to do that, we need to create a certain environment. The sense of being on retreat is partially created through the environment you come into and there's the, the grounds and the buildings here at Gaia House where retreats have been held now for about 12 years, 11 and a half years, and uh, we, having moved here in 1996 from the uh, smaller retreat house we had in Denbury, about a mile and a half across the fields, about that away, um, and that, and so there's this place that's become established as a sanctuary for meditative practice, for spiritual exploration, and there's the support of the people here. Who, who work and run the place and support the environment through their care and dedication, the managers and the staff, so that we come into a place where we're being looked after, we're taken care of, where people are concerned for our well-being, because that's the reality of it, that the people who work here and serve here, particularly as the managers, the volunteers, do so to support the welfare of those who come here. And that's a very precious thing, to be in a place where people aren't doing it for the money they can make out of it, or well, I'm sure they, you know, they get some benefit from it too, but out of a sense of caring and wishing to share a special and a precious opportunity, which uh, being on retreat is. So there's this place, and it's kind of got a you maybe felt some sense of a sort of a, a feeling to it. It might have felt welcoming, inviting. It might have felt a little strange or weird. It might have felt just kind of hmm, curious, interesting, or maybe huh, maybe you're sitting there thinking, "What's he talking about? This hasn't got any funny, strange, interesting, weird, or otherwise feeling. It's just another building." Sure, that's fine. But within this place, there's a a sense of something being co-created by everyone that's here. And that is something I'd like to speak about because it's really important and it's very potent, it's powerful as something to support ourselves and each other. The sense of being on retreat, of stepping away from the things that maybe undermine us or the things that tend to fill us up so that we have no space left in our life. This often requires a sense of a mutual and supportive commitment together because if only one person tried to for instance practice meditation in here while everyone else was having a party it would be a lot harder 
and I'm sure you have probably, you know, you don't need me to um, elaborate on that. So the fact that we all come together and make a shared intention is very powerful in the service of our own and each other's well-being. Do you notice what it's like when the words stop for a moment? Kind of sort of tripping off my tongue it seems and then just one stops and listens. And we notice the absence of sound or the relative absence of sound. Something quite potent in that. And this is one of the ways in which we create a particularly supportive environment here at Gaia House for meditative practice, to practice in silence. For a lot of people coming and uh, particularly coming the first time, it can be the thing that we think, I don't know if I can do that. It sounds, you know, scary or just why or impossible. I can't. And in fact, probably Probably some of you, because this is not at all unusual, have been assured by friends or family or workmates that you, you be silent for a whole weekend? No way is that possible. Or we've imagined it ourselves, had that thought ourselves. Um, it is possible. It may present challenges on occasion, but it's actually not that difficult. And what I would suggest you do with this intention for being in silence, to be very clear this isn't somehow about rejecting or pushing away human contact or connection or pretending that there's nobody else here and I'm going to ignore the fact that there's 55 other people in a relatively small space it's not about that it's not about the silence of you've done something wrong and nobody's going to talk to you you know you've been bad as a child and you sent up to up to your room without supper that kind of silence it's not the kind of silence of I don't like you, I'm angry with you, and I'm not talking to you. It's not that kind of silence either. We might have experienced that one as well. It's more a quality of silence that's a way of turning towards oneself, a way of spending time in relationship with oneself, in giving a degree of priority and importance to exploring what it means to be this thing that I call me, this heart-mind-body-life thing that's going on and has been ever since I can remember but hasn't necessarily kind of had the light of my interest and attention turned towards it as fully as is possible. I'm sure we're all interested and at times reflect upon ourselves but to be silent is to be left with oneself and that's actually something quite precious. It's like to have time with someone we care for or time alone with someone who we'd like to get to know better. You know, it's all very possible to imagine other ways. You know, we could ask some other people about someone or we could read a book about them, we could watch them from a distance if we want to get to know someone. But the best way is spend some time with them. So if you want to get to know what goes on in here, that's what silence is about. And also it's about not using the world of words and language as a way of keeping distant from our experience. We often conceptualize everything, filter everything through our intellects. Some of you might be wondering, what does that mean? Either because I'm not very clear in what I'm saying, or 
because it's so strongly habitually assumed that that's what we're supposed to be doing is thinking about everything and only relating to our thoughts about it rather than our experience of it that's so strong and compelling a habit that many people may have had very few opportunities to see through the veil of language and start to touch and feel and be touched by the immediate experiential reality that's right here but that isn't about our thoughts or descriptions of it. So stepping a little bit away from the world of words, not using language as a way of filling up the space. It's like sometimes speaking is really nourishing, is beautiful, is delightful, is uplifting, is beneficial and wholesome, and there's nothing wrong with speaking. But also we can probably acknowledge, and I certainly do it, that sometimes we do it to kind of fill up those awkward silences or because we haven't got anything better to do or because I somehow think I'm supposed to or because we're busy trying to project a sense of me that somebody else is going to like or be friendly to or appreciate and we're a little bit afraid that if I don't do it very well if I don't say anything or if I say something stupid or foolish then everyone's going to not like me or reject me or something like that so there's, it can be quite fraught actually that whole world of words it's got something attractive but also something a bit complicated and even awkward in it so for the duration of the retreat putting that down just to see what you learn or discover through it there'll be plenty of time to pick it up at the end there will of course be some opportunity for speaking with myself in the retreat time and there'll be plenty of opportunity for listening to myself uh, because uh, silence doesn't mean there'll be no sound. Obviously, in order to give some instruction and teaching, I'll need to speak, and uh, there'll be plenty of other noises or sounds as well. <coughs> so to take the silence as, a, as an exploration, and as though one was, rather than holding it sort of tightly like there must be no sound, and if you bump into someone in the corridor and accidentally say sorry, you feel, oh no, I've blown it, you know. Because <laughs> we're so strongly habituated to say sorry, aren't we? Um, in that situation, it's like, I can't bump into them and not say sorry. Even if they bumped into me, I have to say sorry. <laughs> you know, um, it feels like. Um, if that happens, sure, that's fine. But to have the really clear intention to not engage with each other in that way, just to leave it unspoken. If there's anyone you're concerned about, let myself know, or one of the managers. Don't try and help them out. Unless obviously someone's having a, you know, someone's just fallen over and broken their leg, you don't have to sort of inquire with sign language as to whether they need assistance. It's, you know, there are some situations where obviously um, do what needs to be done. But for the most part, um, as human beings, we can coexist without needing to speak that much. But because I'm really aware of how we take that as a sort of a, a kind of an almost an isolating thing, I invite you, you don't have to do this, but if you're at all curious to just look around for a moment and notice a few of the other folk who are here. I get to look at all of you, but you may don't, maybe don't see. Like, who are these? You know, it could be me you're looking at, that's fine. You're welcome to smile if you feel so moved. You don't have to. But... Basically, my experience is that it's mostly kind and 
relatively gentle folk who come on retreats. They're probably no one sort of, you know, if, if you want to sort of cause mischief or havoc, there's probably other more entertaining places you could do it on a weekend, you know. Um, and the fact that you've all chosen to come here for this, it's really a statement of something quite beautiful and wonderful. So just whether or not you have a sense of who they are or whether or not you might get on with them, I invite you to, to just relax in being together with each other in the silence and being with yourself to see what that's like, to really be with yourself. Sometimes it's not easy to be with ourselves. In fact, some of the busyness and the ongoing rush of life can be because it's kind of difficult to stop and really experience just what it's like to be me or you. And so the fact that we're all doing it together is really supportive. Because, sure, if everyone else was having a party, it would be difficult. But if we were sitting here by ourselves and there was nobody else in the room, that would also be difficult. And so there's this way in which we find a quality of solitude and yet at the same time solidarity through being in silence. And that's what it's about. So particularly if you've come here with friends or with partners, um, family members, at the end of this talk, if you have to say a final goodbye, if you haven't already for the weekend, make your goodbyes. That's all right. You'll notice them and see their slippers moving around. Um, but give them the gift of being on their own, letting, leaving them on their own, and give yourself the gift also. And likewise, if it's someone you just met over dinner who you'd like to get to know better, Sunday's a long way away and also not so far away. And uh, there'll be some time to talk again when we get to the end of the retreat. We'd also like to invite you to keep your time here as simple as possible. The way in which the tendency of the human mind works for most is towards filling up the spaces with useful things. There can be so many useful, entertaining, stimulating, original, exciting activities, thoughts, places, um, confectionery items, whatever it might be. And yet the feeling often can be something of being overly full and a little bit of indigestion with that in life. So part of what being on a retreat involves is putting it down. Just putting down the habit of always having to have something to do. Now, there will be plenty of meditation to do. So it's not like you have nothing to engage with. And the invitation and encouragement for the meditation will be really to carry it right through the entire time you're here in different degrees of focus and um, formality, of course, where we having plenty of time where we're not doing formal meditation. But that's enough. You don't need more than that. If you brought a good book to read in case you get bored at lunchtime or you know something like that, don't do it. Really don't do it. Even if it's a really good book and maybe wise and profound and spiritual, leave it in the bottom of your bag. Refraining from reading, also refraining from writing. If you've got a regular habit and practice of journaling, you want to make a brief note maybe once in the whole weekend, 
that'll be okay. But don't start your journaling practice this weekend if you haven't been doing it already. Don't start it now. Because again, we tend to use words as a prop, as a way of configuring our experience, getting into comfortable packages and keeping it a safe distance. And there's a real loss when we do that. There's a real loss. So again, as a gift of space and of openness to yourself, leave the space empty. If you have nothing to do at some point, explore what it is to really do nothing and be wholehearted about it. I'll speak more about that. But likewise also if you've come with any projects, and I don't mean knitting projects, I mean knitting projects, yes, leave them in your bag as well. But if you've come here with the idea, I've got to work something out, you know, there's some part of me I've got to fix, I'm going to do it this weekend. Well, that might be what turns up for you to work with or to attend to, but it might not be. And so my real encouragement is don't come here with an agenda of something you're going to do to yourself, or for, even for yourself or with yourself. Let your life set the agenda because it's doing it anyway and it just allows you to be in harmony with that if you're not coming with your own and again the gift of space just leave the space open see what comes into it and meet that it's a kind of a simple and yet radical revisioning of how a life might be lived and uh, we'll certainly have further opportunity to be exploring what that's like and the ways in which which it's challenging to do that but also the ways in which it's enriching to do that. So keeping it simple and having a shared sense of caring for our own well-being and for the welfare of each other. At Gaia House we follow the tradition and the teachings of the Buddha of resting the intention to engage in spiritual practice on an intention to refrain from causing harm. We all we all, and I don't mean to be telling you what your experience is, but again, I'm confident on this, we all desire or wish to be free from harm. No one likes being hurt by others. No one likes to suffer. And so there's something really powerful when we say, okay, so far as I can, well, of course we're not perfect, but so far as I can, I don't want to cause harm or suffering to others. Because I know that I don't like it being caused to me, So if I can refrain from doing it to others, there's a certain safety that starts to create for ourselves and each other. And the shared undertaking of the um, what we call the five precepts. Now, the the managers usually mention the five precepts in the manager's talk. Was that the case? They were listed? Yes, so you're familiar with what they are. And it's not to be taken like a list of commandments of, you know, thou shalt not do this or else you go to some bad place. You know, it's not like that. It's more understanding there's a relationship between having a sense of caring and respect for others and our own sense of being cared for and feeling an inner respect for ourselves. So refraining from taking life, respecting all that lives, respecting ourselves thereby, respecting the material property of others or that which isn't ours, not taking things that aren't given to us. It's like because we suffer if our own things are taken or misused. If we walk in here and someone's pinched our shawl or our cushions, we kind of, ah, could make us feel kind of annoyed. You know, I came here to be peaceful and someone's taken my cushion. How am I supposed to be cushion, uh, peaceful without my cushion? You know? 
And you start looking at everyone else. Suspicion. That looks like my cushion. You know, obviously no one's coming here intending to pinch anyone else's cushion, but it's more like reflecting on how that orientation makes a difference in the heart and creates a difference in the environment that we're in. So we refrain from taking things that aren't offered to us, refraining from harmful expressions of sexuality. And again, like speech, sexuality is an appropriate, uh, can have an appropriate place in our life, and, and yet, if not used skillfully, can also cause harm and pain. And in the context of a retreat, in support of the simplicity and the solitude, we ask and invite everyone to refrain from engaging in intentional sexual activity. Not because there's something wrong with it or bad about it, but simply because when you put that down and stop relating to each other or imagining others relating to ourselves from that kind of particular sexual perspective of interest or not interest or whatever all that's about, Again, it just opens up space and allows us to be more just human beings rather than having to somehow present or perform or sort of uh, engage with that. Just putting it down for a time. Refraining from harmful expressions of, of speech also in the context of the retreat means refraining from or supporting and maintaining the silence and seeing if the words that you use, whether they're in some situation where you maybe need to speak to the managers or if in some dialogue with myself, to see how much we speak what is really true and how much what we think in our minds, which is a form of speech, it's like a verbal activity in the mind, how much of what we speak in our minds, our thinking process, how much of it's actually useful and how much of it is really true. And how much of it is just old stories spinning around that aren't really serving anything, aren't really necessarily telling or revealing a lot of value. So refraining from that, as sort of using speech skillfully in the context of this retreat is to support the silence in that way. And also refraining from the use of drugs, alcohol and intoxicants. And for some, this may again seem very straightforward and obvious, and for others it may be quite a challenge. That's fine. Um, For some people it requires a certain inner commitment to say, no, for this period of time I will not make use of those particular things that at other times in my life I do. And in this it's really about respecting the natural quality of our consciousness, not seeking to adjust it or fix it or soften it, in order to make it more pleasant or entertaining or more bearable if it's difficult. But to just see, can I meet it as it is? Can I trust in the truth of my life as it is? And not try and adjust or manipulate it so much as we often are habitually inclined to do. This, of course, doesn't apply to any um, sort of medicine you're taking for um, your, your health and well-being, of course, please do continue to make use of such things that you may be uh, needing to do so. But uh, with those, those intentions to refrain from causing harm expressed in this particular way, sort of it, it creates a foundation of trust and safety. And with the last one, with the use of intoxicants, so often when we soften or dull our mind or cloud our mind 
in some way, what we lose is the ability to make good choices, and we often act in ways we regret. So again, it's not the thing in itself that's necessarily bad, although, of course, some things that we might use could be harmful to our physical or mental well-being. But it's actually also that when we act unconsciously or carelessly or from a place of intoxication, we cause harm to others and we end up regretting our action. And that's painful. It's not what we wish for. It's not what I wish for. I imagine it's not what you wish for. So we put that down. And what that really leaves us with, with the sense of silence, of simplicity, and of the that what we call precepts, or that ethical foundation, that sense of caring for the well-being of each other and ourselves. What that creates is an environment that's safe and that's open, and that allows ourselves to begin to also open, to be vulnerable, to begin to explore our interior landscapes which at times may be unfamiliar may be challenging and so that it needs a supportive environment and which is why we go to some trouble to establish this and your support each of your support in sustaining that is actually a remarkably powerful contribution to each and every other person here and their practice and their experience on the retreat One of the themes that the Buddha would often comment on is that, uh, you know, really nobody else can do this for you. This is your own journey. And he, as the Buddha, and likewise other teachers, cannot sort of solve it for somebody else. But, although nobody can do it for us, we do not have to do it by ourselves. And the support of each other is actually what makes it possible. And what is possible is to engage in meditation practice, to begin to explore our life directly and immediately, to train and cultivate in the heart and the mind qualities of, of wisdom, of compassion, of patience, of calm, of compassion. I think I said that, didn't I? Kindness, curiosity, perseverance, courage. Many different things we can learn to support and develop within us that are already there but not necessarily mature or accessible to us. And this is really what or how we engage with the journey of meditation from this place. So I'm aware you've probably now been sitting for quite a while with the uh, manager's talk and then a very, I guess, short break and then Another bunch of talking. So maybe for some of you, your bodies are a little stiff or tired. And uh, in a few moments, I'd like to speak a little bit about the meditation and give some instructions for that. And I'll be giving more, of course, during the, the weekend. But uh, I think it might be just useful. If you don't have to, but if you'd like to just stand up, take a moment to stretch and move your body. Don't go anywhere because uh, we'll be continuing on. But just notice what it's like to feel your body move after having been sitting for the last uh, 45 minutes or so, relatively still. You may notice some discomfort or stiffness or just the urge to move a little. Just see if your body wants to do any movement. 
gently. If you like, you can just stretch up, take a big breath in. Just drop your arms, breathing out. Maybe bend forward. Just, just whatever you might like to do. done what you need to do, there's no rush, just uh, finding your way back down to a sitting position in the chair or on the cushion or bench as you wish. just to know with regard to the the sitting uh, equipment we have there are plenty more cushions and there are also more chairs so if anyone who feels at some point they would like to try to sit in a chair as opposed to on the floor you're very welcome and if we need more chairs we'll bring them in there's no inherent magic about sitting on the floor you can find that it's useful and beneficial to sit cross-legged or kneeling or in a chair and any combination or variation on the above is uh, fine But it is useful to have a certain degree of uprightness and steadiness in your posture. And again, I'll speak more about that tomorrow. But for now, in terms of meditation and before coming to the instruction, just the the initial orientation towards meditation is towards connecting with a sense of where you are and what you are experiencing right now. That's the basic orientation. Noticing how we can spend most of our life thinking about somewhere else or something else or someone else or becoming different or other or better than who we are or what we are. So much time we think about something other than what actually is right now. And we can live our life in that place of somewhere else. And the journey of meditation, in essence, is to learn what it means to live in the immediacy and the truth of our life as it is right here, right now, and as it unfolds from this place. So meditation is remarkably simple, but not at all to be confused with being remarkably easy. And in essence, the instruction could be simply be present, be awake, know that you're here, and know what's happening here. But in order to be able to do that, for most of us, we need a little training and quite a lot of practice. Because the the compulsion to start to think about our experience, and through association to start to think about past experiences, and then through projection to start to think about future experiences, is quite overwhelming some of the time perhaps much of the time and so it takes some patience and some dedication to begin to reorient and what it also takes is some real care some real sense of caring for your life to be interested in it to be willing to look deeply at it 
And in order to begin to really connect with our experience and be able to be more present and more wholehearted and more conscious and more open in our life, what's useful for most people is to simplify. Again, we've simplified things by coming on the retreat, leaving aside the complexity of our relationships and our jobs and our roles and our homes and our rooms full of nice things that we have, just coming to somewhere that's relatively simple and maybe a little austere, there's not too much entertainment and all that. And then, again, another level of simplifying is orienting towards our immediate bodily experience and a particular expression of it or manifestation of it, the breathing, as a way of being present. And so just beginning, take a moment to feel your body. Notice what's it like in here, this physical organism that we inhabit. Maybe feeling something warm or cool, or might feel tight or loose, it may feel stressed and anxious or relaxed and easeful. However it is, is okay. But just get a sense of what it's like to feel your body a little bit. Within that sense of feeling your body, notice that you're sitting on the ground. So you can feel your bottom on the cushion or the bench or the chair or whatever it is that your bottom is on, that is on the ground. And that you feel that solid firmness underneath. Useful to remember that because there's something there you can rest on. And uh, again, maybe we'll come back to that one. But there's something there you can rest on. So let yourself rest on on the ground, on the earth right now. And then just let your posture be upright. So you're not slumping forward, but nor trying to overextend and be rigid and sort of like some kind of sort of military posture. It's more just a relaxed uprightness that frees up the sense of space in the torso. And then feeling within that relaxed and yet upright posture feeling the breath, the experience of breathing in and out. What's that like for you right now? Can you feel it? It's not an idea or an image, but what does it actually feel like? If you can't sense anything in your body as the feeling of either the breath moving through the throat or the chest expanding or the belly rising and falling or the skin shifting in contact with the clothes as your body changes shape with the breathing. If you don't notice any of that, you can just bring your hand to rest on either your belly or the sort of lower mid-chest, and it will probably give you a bit more of a sense of the experience. And you can do that for a little while. If you find it useful, just use your open palm, just place it gently, maybe abdomen or lower chest, just on the sort of area of the sternum. If you do that, what you'll probably notice is you can feel quite clearly when you're breathing in and when you're breathing out. And if you find that useful, you can use that until you start to make a more clear contact with the interior experience. Not that that has to happen quickly, but just to see what supports you. And then in being with that experience of breathing, just allow your attention to stay with, to follow and to begin to attune to that experience. Using it as an anchor and a focus, as a gathering point for your attention that's right here 
in the present moment that's right now and only right here and right now so that when you come into contact with it you can begin to release the pull of the past and the pull of the future and begin to experience something simple, ordinary, every day, the breath, but something that's right here, right now. And as you do that, you'll of course notice other things are calling your attention, the sound of the wind, maybe other sensations in your body or thoughts or feelings. Sure, notice them if they arise, but just bring your attention back to the breath. If you become lost in thinking about something, notice that you've done so and then not judging that, but just come back to the breath. Breath is always there to come back to. And so we'll just take five or six minutes now and sit quietly together practicing in this way. Simply being mindful of the experience of breathing in and breathing out. Directly experiencing the sensations, vibrations, the ripples of experience that reveal that breath is taking place in your body. Allowing it to be just as it is, not needing to change or fix it in any way. And coming back again and again to this place, this experience. Simply breathing in. Simply breathing out, consciously, with awareness.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.